in the Navy. They're taught the best way to fight a storm or a hurricane was just to move out to sea and anchor deep. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. There are times in our lives when we're caught in storms. Maybe someone listening is going through that right now. The best way to fight a storm is to anchor deep. Join us as we explore this year's theme and see how we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure in Christ. We hope you enjoy. Uh, one more serious than the others, uh, than the other. Uh, the first one is this. I just want to remind you all, and, and we don't necessarily do a good enough job of reminding you all of this, but if you're here today and after the service, you'd like someone to pray with you, uh, every week after both first and second service, there's someone in the prayer room uh, to pray with you if you need prayer. And so if you don't know where that is, through the double doors to the right, towards the usher's closet, don't go in the usher's closet. Nobody in there to pray with you. Um, but over the door and to the right, and there'll be someone waiting for you in the hallway there. So if you ever need prayer, if you ever hear you just like someone to pray with you, after both first and second service, there's always someone in there. Secondly with that, as Tim asked you guys to fill out those connection cards, on the back of that, you can write prayer requests, which is a great place to put those. Um, and you fill that out, the connection card you put in the offering stands, which are in the back. And if during the middle of the week, you have something you'd like everyone to be praying for. You'd like the prayer team and the leadership of the church to be praying for you. Uh, you could just send an email, and uh, the email is prayer at wvcch.org. All right, so prayer at wvcch.org. So I just want to remind you of that. Like I said, we don't do a good enough job of letting you guys know that, uh, but there is always someone there every week after both first and second service for you. Secondly, um, so a lot of times I'll come up here and I'll thank the worship team for leading us, and uh, which seems appropriate. Okay, but last Sunday night, I was reminded of why the worship team is so important. Okay, you see the youth group. Vin, Vinny's clapping. He, he's just happy with the worship team. Thank you, Vinny. So, so last Sunday night, the youth group and the young adults did a karaoke night together, all right? And so just to set the pace for the evening, our student director, Nick, asked me to sing the first song, of which I said, okay, guys, here we are. We're just going to put the bar really low for you all. And, uh, and so the reason I, I mention this with the worship team is this. There were five staff members they're either part-time or full-time that sang at karaoke last Sunday night. And I will say this about all of us. We were terrible. Okay? You can't amen, Greg. You weren't even there. All right? But we were, we were bad. There's a couple of them that think they can sing, but guess what? They can't. All right? They're not in the room, so they don't even know. It's okay. No, we were, we were bad. And so anyways, I really am... Oh, wait. Hey, Tim. There you are. You're right there. Sorry. Um, Really grateful for our worship team. Like, no wonder they've never asked any of us to be on the worship team. But um, it was a fun time. Next time we'd have a church-wide karaoke. What do you guys think? All right, all right. I like to, I like to hear the yeses and the amens. The question is, will you actually sing when you come? Okay? So anyway, let's, let's move on to more important things. So let me, let me pray for us before we look at God's word. Father, I thank you. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for the worship team. I thank you for the, the team up, upstairs 
that gets everything ready for us on Sunday mornings. I thank you for the ushers. I thank you for the, the welcome people that come early. Lord, I just thank you for the so many people, Lord, that, uh, that are necessary to, to have our services run and run well. And Lord, we do all those things to honor you and to glorify you. And so I thank you for the hearts of all the people that, that do help and volunteer and serve. Uh, Lord, we do pray, Lord, right now, that as we look at your word, Lord, just that your word is, is glorified and magnified and, and that we could just learn something, that we could draw closer to you, and that through looking at your word, we could understand better how you want us to live in this world. Uh, thank you, Father, so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 10. The scripture should show up on the screen here. But so we've been going through what I like to refer, I don't know that anybody else refers to it as this, but I like to refer to it as the middle, middle John. All right, because if you remember at the start of the year, we started with the first few chapters of the book of John. As we got to Easter, we, we did the last few chapters of John. And so now we're kind of finishing up the middle of John. And these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about things that everybody can understand. Jesus being the bread of life. Jesus being the light of the world. Last week we looked at Jesus healing a man that had been born blind. And so, again, we're in John chapter 10, and Jesus is speaking. And we're going to read the first 18 verses of the chapter. So just settle in. Don't fall asleep, but settle in and listen to what Jesus is trying to say to us. He says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And so Jesus is using this imagery of sheep and a shepherd. And if you've read through your Bibles at all, you know that that's a common theme in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's imagery that people would understand. Just like, like I mentioned before, like when Jesus is talking about being the bread of life, people understand what it's like to be hungry. 
when Jesus is talking about being the light of the world, people understand what it means to, to need light or, or the living water, to know what it is to be thirsty. And so again, Jesus is speaking in terms that they understand or that they're capable of understanding, even if they're not understanding properly what his point was, which was the case in the first six verses. He's talking a language they should understand, but they're not really getting what he's saying. And so, you know, I was thinking about sheep as in preparation for the sermon. I was thinking about sheep. Okay, anybody in here know about sheep? Okay, a couple of you. Oh, okay, surprisingly more in second service than in first service. Nobody knew about sheep in first service. I could have said anything, okay? <clears throat> I'll have to watch myself this service. But when it comes to sheep, you know, they never allow, you don't allow the sheep to flock or to, 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 to go around and graze without a shepherd. And so because they're bound to wander off. They're bound to wander off and they're bound to get lost. And so you always need a shepherd keeping watch over them. You always need a shepherd that's on duty, watching out for danger. Watching out for danger on land, watching out for danger from other animals, watching out from danger from other people. And so to be a good shepherd, you need to be vigilant, you need to be fearless, and you need to be patient. And so in the Old Testament, the Old Testament quite, talks quite a bit about shepherds and sheep, shepherds and sheep. Okay, so listen to these verses. In Psalm 23, some verse that maybe most people know, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm seventy-nine, thirteen says, Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. From generation to generation, we will proclaim your praise. Psalm 95, 6 and 7 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then in Isaiah 40 verses 10 and 11, it says, See the sovereign Lord comes with power. And, the, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And so our passage today, Jesus refers to us as sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, that's not necessarily the nicest thing Jesus could have said about us. Okay, like calling us sheep is not necessarily a compliment. Now, there are good things about sheep, right? They're useful. We get wool from them. Somebody at the first service also told me that they taste good, okay? And so, um, you know, okay? But for the most part, you know, what do you say? To, the sheep are not known for being geniuses, all right? So I read this. Now, just because I read it doesn't mean it was true or that it's true. But I read it... Um, in multiple sources, okay, I read that there was once 1,500 sheep that were near a cliff. And for some reason, the leader of the sheep, you know, the guy, the, not, not the shepherd, but the, the first sheep in front, 
started going for the cliff. And so 400 sheep died because they went over the side of the cliff. 400. Now they just jumped to their death, okay? One after another. 1,100 survived. Now you think, okay, that means 400 died. They were not very bright. 1,100, at least most of them were smart enough not to jump off the cliff, right? That's not why they survived. The 1,100 survived because they landed on the other 400, okay? Like all 1,500 of them were dummies and jumped off the side of the cliff, and the 1,100 survived just because they were landing on the 400, all right? Now, again, I cannot vouch for that being a true story, but I did read it in multiple different places, all right? Sheep aren't necessarily the brightest. Sheep are also known for being mostly defenseless. Like, that's why they need a shepherd. Like, they're not able to fight off predators, all right? Now, personally, I'm afraid of any animal with teeth, okay? So you can tell me they're defenseless, but if a sheep is coming at me teeth first, I'm going to be a little bit afraid, all right? But you read that they're defenseless, although, again, I had someone in first service tell me that they had their nose broken by a sheep once, okay? So I don't know how defenseless they really are, but they're defenseless. Uh, Thirdly, I've also read that sheep will settle for less than the best. And what I mean by that is this. I read that, let's say sheep are coming and they're thirsty. Let's say they come across right in front of them right here. There's a, there's a puddle of water that's kind of dirty and dingy. But just a few feet further, there's like a beautiful oasis of water. I read that a sheep will just stop right there and drink the dirty water. Because I don't know if they're lazy or what, but they'll just settle for what's less than best. So they'll take that dirty, muddy water instead of walking over to where the good, clear, and clean water is. And so again, I don't think Jesus is trying to insult the people that are listening to him. I don't think he's trying to insult us. But, but maybe we should listen a little bit to what he's saying there. All right? Um, there are several things out of these 18 verses in John that I want to point out to you. The first one, and I think this is so important. If you look at verse 3, you know what? It says that a shepherd knows his sheep by name. A shepherd knows his sheep by name. And and so I was thinking about it like this. So my best friend, and actually it's true of my wife, my wife is an extrovert. But if you guys know, I've said it many times before, I I am more of an introvert. Like, I'm happy. Just just give me me a book and leave me alone. All right? Just, Just set me in a corner of a room by myself with a book, and I'm happy. Matter of fact, most of the time I'd rather have no book and just be sitting in the corner of the room than be you know, some places, all right? Not, I'm very happy to be with you all right now, all right? Um, but as an introvert, I've really had to work and learn how to do a lot of extroverted things as a pastor because it doesn't work very well as a pastor to be an introvert. So you had to, I've had to learn how to do different things. But my best friend, guy I've known for almost 40 years, he's what I would call a, well, he's a raging extrovert, all right? I don't even know how we're friends, because, like, he'll talk to anybody and everybody, everywhere, at any time. All right? I can't tell you how many times we've been, we've been somewhere together in the last 40 years, and he's talking to someone he doesn't even know, and I'll be standing there like, dude, let's go. You know, you don't even know this person. Why are you? Oh, it, it drives me crazy sometimes. Okay? I love him, but it drives me crazy sometimes. He is a, 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 just an incredible extrovert. 
Now, he also teaches communications and speech out of Pepperdine. And so, like, he's kind of mastered the arts of speaking with people. One of the things that I've noticed that he does is, now, whether they tell you their name or not, like, if someone has a name badge on, he will call them by their name. Okay, whether you're at a store or a restaurant or whatever, if they have a name badge on, he will call them by name. Why? Because people like hearing their name, don't they? Like most people like hearing their name. So when you call them by name, they're like, oh, he knows my name. Now, this is weird, though, because honestly, I was thinking about this just this morning because I won't call them by name. Like if I'm at a grocery store or a restaurant, and, and again, it could just be my warped thinking, okay? But so like it happened to me just this morning. So I go to Nats on Ventura. Pastor Rob and I have a little rivalry. He likes Nats on Roscoe. I prefer Nats on Ventura. Nats on Ventura is better, okay? Um, so anyway, I like Nats on Ventura. And I've been going there long enough now to where the two people that normally help me, the waiter's name is Jesse, the waitress's name is Toby, um, and I know that, but I still, for the most part, don't say their name, all right? And I don't know, it's not that I'm a jerk. I, maybe I am, I don't know. I, I, just, I just don't use their name. And so this morning, Toby was going on break, and she said, there's, there's a new waitress that I've never met before, and she said her name. She said, well, Veronica was gonna help you because I'm going on break. And I was thinking about the message today, and again, this may not make sense to you, but I was like, okay, I know her name is Veronica, but I'm not going to say her name because to me that seems too personal. I don't have a relationship with her. I don't know her. And so to me, like it would seem like too, like too forward on my part to use her name. Now, again, you all can think I'm crazy for that, but that's just what's going through my head, you know? No, I'm also not going to scream, hey, you. Like when I wanted to pay my bill, I just waited for her to be walking my direction. I went like this with cash. Everybody pays attention to that, no matter what you call them, okay? But like just calling her by her name seemed too personal. That's a long way of saying this. Man, Jesus knows your name. Okay, Jesus knows your name. Other people might not know your name. Please don't test me on this. Pastor Rob and I, we all, Glenn Kirby, our former lead pastor for 40 years, he was amazing with names. Everybody that walked through the door, he knew their names. Pastor Rob and I, we struggle a little bit with names. Okay, we're not as good. Okay, and so if we call you buddy or pal, it could be that we don't remember your name. Okay, if you test me on this today, I will call every single one of you buddy. Okay, I'm not going to let you out me. All right. Everyone today is buddy. If you say, Pastor John, what's my name? Buddy. All right? But, but I want you to know this. Jesus knows your name. There's 8 billion people on this planet, and yet Jesus knows first, last, and middle name of every single one of those people, and he can even say their names properly. All right? I think that's incredible that our shepherd knows our name. That your shepherd knows you, cares about you so much that he knows your name. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. To me, that's such a beautiful thing that it says about Jesus. The second thing that, that I want you to notice in here in verses 4 and 5, it talks about the idea that sheep will only follow the voice of their shepherd. And, and so, I don't know, you, you and I, we don't deal with sheep, so we never thought about this. But as I was working on my sermon, I was like, well, well what, if, like, what if there were three shepherds? They'll all put their same sheep 
in the pen overnight? How do they make sure that someone doesn't steal their sheep or a sheep doesn't go with the wrong person or whatever? And in this passage, Jesus answered the question. He says, man, sheep will only follow the voice of their shepherd. And so what would happen is you have all these sheep from different, from shepherds in the pen. They would just stand outside the pen and make their noises. They would talk in their voice or make their noises and their sheep will come to them. Why? Because they know their shepherd's voice. So they're not going to wander off with somebody else. So as I thought about that for us, I thought this, do we know Jesus's voice? Do you know Jesus's voice? Do you know his voice? Do you know Jesus' voice? Again, you know, I don't think a sheep is being the brightest. But we all need to make sure that we're listening to the voice of our shepherd. You know, Jesus is trying to warn the people about false teachers. He's really, he's really warning them about the Pharisees that are listening to him right then. Okay, but Jesus is warning them and he's warning us about false teachers. And so we all need to make sure that we're listening to our shepherd's voice and don't allow ourselves to get distracted by other voices that are trying to speak into our life. You ever notice today there's a lot of voices that are trying to speak into your life? We need to make sure that we're following our shepherd's voice and not the voice of a shepherd who doesn't have our best interest in mind. We need to be alert for those people that are false teachers and false shepherds. And so the best thing that we can do is make sure that we know what God's word has to say. God has spoken. This is how God has spoken. This is how we know God's voice. Okay? Does it it line up with what the Bible says? So I'm not saying this is 100% of the time, but quite often... You'll have people, I'll have people come up to me and say, well, God told me this. I think God wants me to do this. I think God is leading me to do whatever. And quite often, whatever it is they follow up that statement with, is quite often it's something that is totally contradictory to what God's word says. Okay? Now, it's hard to argue with somebody who says, God told me. But God has already spoken. Okay, and and so if you are saying to yourself, I think God's telling me to do something, and whatever it is that he's telling you to do is contradictory to what the Bible says, let me tell you, that is not our shepherd speaking to you. Okay, if you think you're hearing God telling you to do something, but it's contradictory to the Bible, that is not the voice of our shepherd speaking. Okay, quite often that's your voice that you want to hear telling you to do what you want to do. And so we need to make sure that we are staying close to and listening to the voice of our shepherd. And like I said, there's a lot of different voices that are speaking to us today that are trying to get us all kinds of different directions. And so we need to make sure that we're sticking, sticking to what our shepherd is saying. Third thing I want you to notice in here, because they didn't understand what he's saying, and so Jesus says this. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. And so my understanding, again, not being a shepherd myself, my understanding is this. If, so if a shepherd has a sheep out at night and they're not going to be going back for the end of the pen for the evening, he'd find like a, a cave or something like that to put him in. And then what the shepherd would do is lay down across the opening so that no, nothing else could get in and none of the sheep could get out. Uh, this week I was, happening, I was watching a video and it had nothing to do with sheep. Okay, um, but, but it happened to have some sheep in the video, 
Okay? I guess it had something to do with sheep. They were in it. Uh, it was somebody's talking, but in the background, they were showing these sheep. And it was a shepherd that was somewhere in, in the Middle East, and he had his sheep, and, and they were all going into this pen that was built with rocks. It was like a rock wall that they were all walking into. And it was just a little opening about this big. And so when all the sheep got in, the shepherd just sat in that doorway. The shepherd just sat there, okay? And so when Jesus says that he is the gate or he is the door for the sheep, that's what he's talking about, okay? He's sitting there. His role is to watch over the sheep, keep them safe, make sure they stay where they're supposed to be. Jesus is the gate for us. He's there to protect us as his sheep. You know, later on in in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He's still using this kind of language. Jesus is the only way in and out. He is the gate for his sheep. Fourthly, this might be the only verse that a lot of people know in John chapter 10. But in John chapter 10, Jesus is telling us, man, he wants us to have an abundant life. I think in the verse I read, it says, have life and have it to the full. In older, in older versions, older translations, it says a life abundantly. He wants us to have an incredible life. And we're all built differently. What an incredible life might look like differently to each one of us that's here in this room. But what I read most of all in this passage, when he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I've come to you, I may have life and have it to the full, he's saying, you know what? Following Jesus is not supposed to be a miserable existence. Okay? Following Jesus is not supposed to be a miserable existence where you're constantly worried about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, do this, even though you don't want to. Like, that's not what it means to follow Jesus. All right? Jesus wants us to have an incredible life. I was thinking about, like, the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal son wastes his father's wealth, goes off, squanders it, comes home. And when he comes home, the picture of our father in heaven isn't of a guy who's angry and bitter and and wants to punish his kid. What does he do? He throws a robe around him and says, let's throw a party. All right? That's what our heavenly father is like. That's what our shepherd is like. Okay, every day can't be a party. But what I do think when Jesus says, I want you to have an abundant life or life to the full is, you know what? He wants us to have joy in our life. He wants us to have joy in our life. And you know what? We can have joy even as we go through difficult times. Even as we face, face difficult situations, I think as we stay close to him, as we stay close to our shepherd, we are able to have joy in our life, even in the midst of difficulty. The last thing that I want you to notice in the passage that he says is he says that he is the good shepherd, and it says that he lays down his life for us. You know, five times in the 18 verses that I read, it talked about Jesus saying that he was laying down his life. And what I think he's saying to us here is, you know what, I don't think Jesus wants us to look at him as some kind of martyr that he died on the cross for us. I don't think he wants us to look at him as some kind of martyr. He wants us to look at him as our shepherd who willingly laid down his life for us. You know, over the years, you know, people like to blame. Who's to blame for Jesus' death? Is it the Jews? Is it the Pharisees? But they were both Jews. But the Jews, the Pharisees. Was it Judas? Was it Pilate? Was it us, our guilt for our sin? Well, you know, all those things are true. We're all responsible. But the reality is Jesus died 
because he laid down his life willingly for us. No one made him. He did it willingly. That's, a, that's an incredible example, I think, of his love for his sheep. So I, again, I was reading for the sermon. I came across this quote from a guy who lived a long time ago. It doesn't matter how long, but his name was Clement. And he wrote this. He said, in our sickness, we need a savior. In our wanderings, a guide. In our blindness, someone, someone to show us the light. In our thirst, the fountain of living water that quenches forever the thirst of those who drink from it. We dead people need life. We sheep need a shepherd. We children need a teacher. The whole world needs Jesus. That last sentence so great. We sheep need a shepherd. We children need a teacher. The whole world needs Jesus. So, so what are our takeaways from this morning? Number one, and I don't have a lot of time, so we're going to get to this. The first thing is this. Jesus is our, is our example of leadership. Jesus as our shepherd is a great example of leadership. He should be our model for what we're trying to be like as we try to shepherd those in our care. Doesn't matter whether it's our family at home, our coworkers at work, or just people that we encounter in our community. He is our example. He is our role model. He encourages us to be compassionate and selfless and protective of those under our care. He's the example of what leadership looks like. He's also our example for care and compassion for others. And again, this goes along with the first one. But because of Jesus as our shepherd, he's encouraging us to be compassionate and to care for people, especially those who need a little extra care. So my impression of shepherds is this. Each night as they're coming into the pen, that shepherd is closely inspecting each sheep that comes through to make sure that there's nothing wrong with them. And if there's something wrong with them, he's taking them aside and he's doing whatever he has to do to fix them up. Our shepherd is looking after us like that. That is our responsibility as we look after those that are in our care. Uh, thirdly, is the idea that like, like Jesus' warning, we need to watch out for false teachers. Okay? We need to watch out for false teachers, and they're still out there. Those thieves are still trying to come and to steal and destroy. And so we need to be careful about who we allow to influence us. We need to be careful about who we're allowing to influence our children we need to be careful about whose voices that we're listening to. One of my favorite passages in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, verse 11, says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. We need to be examining everything through the lens of scripture. Okay? You need, don't just like, okay, sometimes I talk about following blindly like sheep. God does not want you to follow blindly. All right? He certainly doesn't want you to follow us blindly. Like whatever Pastor Rob and I are sharing from up here on the pulpit, you need to make sure that that is in line with what Scripture said, just like those Bereans were of the Apostle Paul. You need to be making sure to stay away from false teachers. Fourthly, that chapter teaches us about sacrificial love. Do you want to have a happy marriage? You're going to have to learn about sacrificial love. Do you want to have a good relationship with your children? You need to learn about sacrificial love. You want to have healthy relationships of any kind. Sacrificial love is what, what needs to happen. And lastly, just like the sheep, we need to trust in our shepherd. We need to trust in him and follow him. The bottom line, as I think about this message today, is this. If you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this. Number one, Jesus knows your name. Okay? Jesus knows your name. He wants you to have an incredible life 
like verse 10 tells us. And our responsibility is to listen to his voice. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage today. Lord, I thank you that you are our heavenly father that loves us so much. I thank you for our good shepherd in Jesus. I thank you for the example that he gave us that we're going to remember right now at communion for what sacrificial love looks like. Lord, I pray for anyone that's here today, Lord, that is struggling. Lord, I pray that you would help them to know and to believe that you know their name, that you care about them, that you love them, and that you want that relationship with them. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellion.